This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. He knows he didn't care about his death. As a matter of fact, he writes to the church in Philippi, Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ and to die is gain. I hope that would be our verse. We live for Christ. To die is a promotion. It's a promotion. One of the most radical transformations that we read about in the Bible is the story of the Apostle Paul. When we first read about him, he was killing Christians and leading the charge against them. After he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he ended up writing a majority of the New Testament. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will be sharing some of Paul's final words and encouraging us to live with the same convictions that Paul had. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4 as he continues his message preach the word. They say they're saved, but they weren't really, if they look at the scriptures, you know, they find out, hey, you know, it's just me joining some church because it was a cool church. You know, the pastor comes to the pulpit on a zip line. You know, I think it's cool. And it's a disco ball just spinning with colors and a smoke screen. Wow, it's a great concert. I don't need to tell you how many churches of pretty much every denomination are not teaching sound doctrine. They will either water down the gospel, disagree with certain sections of the Bible. They would teach the word that the word must conform to the culture. Rather than the culture conform to the word of God, they teach what they believe is true rather than what the Bible teaches. They would rather be politically correct than biblically correct. And it's sad. I see it more and more. And it breaks my heart. The word of God is what needs to be taught. The time will come. And in fact, we could say, It has come. Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago. And who would they listen to? Read on. He says, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. The ears are itching for a a teaching that is pleasing and comfortable to the flesh, where they can still be the same person Outside the church, as they're in the church, or as in the church, outside the church, there's no difference. I just come to church. It's something I do every Sunday. There needs to be a different. You need to be a light. You need to be different than the world. So they gather for themselves, pastors, leaders, teachers. Tell them the things that they want to hear. What they want to hear. I had one lady approach me once when we were in town. And actually, she knew that I didn't have, I didn't agree with the hyper-Calvinistic view. 
And she got upset that I was preaching against Calvin. I said, if you're a Calvinist, why are you coming to our church? <laughs> I don't get it. I said, but I'm sorry, ma'am. You can't tell me what to teach. What you're telling me is to be quiet teaching the Bible. I'm teaching the Bible. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've tried to share the gospel at work and people would say, oh, yeah, you're Christian. Yeah, that's good. You know, you know, I listened to that guy, Joe Olsting. He makes me feel good. Of course he's going to make you feel good. He's got a million-dollar smile. Pray for him that he repents. Pray that he teaches the gospel. Of course he's tickling your ears. He's telling you the things you want to hear. There's a better you. There's nothing good in me. The Bible said the heart is corrupt. Who can know it? What Bible are you reading? Of course he's going to make you feel good. He's not going to preach about the blood. He's not going to preach about the cross. He's not going to preach about repentance, justification by faith. He's not going to preach about death and hell. He's tickling the ears. That's why you can fill a stadium. You teach that way and always start off with a joke and don't teach the Bible. But all you do is motivational teaching to motivate people so they could glorify themselves. Of course. Of course you're going to fill a stadium. People who have itching ears. And it's sad. Verse 4, and they would turn their ears away from the truth, turned aside to fables. It's very easy. You know, if you don't know the truth, you're going to turn away from the truth. You're going to avoid it. <laughs> and you're going to, you know, just believe in fictional stories. It's funny, you know, how people just read the headlines and they believe everything they read. You believe everything they read that you read, do you? How come you don't read the Bible and believe in it? Now, the definite article in this verse, the, is speaking that this is not a truth, but this is the truth. It speaks to and points of Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, verse 6, it says, I am the way, the, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus Christ is the word. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Then down in verse 14 of chapter 1, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, because he is the truth. So saints, preach the word of God. That is your responsibility. Sheep begets sheep, okay? The shepherd doesn't give birth to sheep, okay? Sheep begets sheep. Okay, you share the gospel. I have no problem sharing the gospel because that's what I'm called to do. But really, my call, my responsibility is to teach. Teach. Jesus told John, do you love me? He said, yes. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Tend my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. That's what a pastor does. He didn't say give birth to sheep. Teach. Teach. And that's what we do. Now in verse 5, Paul gives Timothy some instruction. Some instruction in, in fulfilling the ministry. Remember, he's closing his letter. He's giving some instruction to fulfill the ministry. He gives them three things in verse 5. Again, this is a pastoral epistle, but it's applicable for each and every one of us. If 
you have a ministry, if you're a part of a ministry, whether it is serving in the children's ministry, usher, greeter, cleaning, worship, or in a cafe, hope you're a part of a ministry. Be faithful to the Lord to fulfill your ministry. Be faithful to the Lord to fulfill your ministry wherever God has placed you. Wherever God has placed you, be faithful. How do we fulfill the ministry? Number one, in verse five, it says, but you be watchful in all things. Watchful in all things. In other words, be sober, be alert. Keep the mind clear, in other words. In every situation in your ministry, every part of your ministry, wherever you're serving, whatever your ministry you're a part of, be watchful. Don't put your guard down. Because that's when the enemy attacks, right? <laughs> the more you serve God, the more you attacks. Because number one, you need to be watchful because of opposition. Opposition. When you're in ministry, Satan hates a functional member of the body of Christ. A functional member of the body of Christ. He hates it that we serve the Lord he hates it when you're serving the brothers and sisters in the church. He hates it. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's number one. Number two, we need to be sober because of opportunities. Opportunities. Remember, we're to share the gospel with everyone. There may be someone that in the area where you're serving that has a need. Maybe prayer. We're here to serve one another. And Jesus set that example, right? Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And some of us want to be served rather than serve others. Second thing, we must endure afflictions. Afflictions. There is suffering in the ministry, by the way. (laughs) And the more you're in ministry, the more you're going to suffer. Trust me. Again, the enemy hates it. He hates it. You know, the reality, it not only comes... (laughs) Uh, from the outside, sometimes it comes from even within the church. I've been in church for a long time, a long time. I was raised up most of my life. Since I was eight years old, my family and I, we all gave our lives to the Lord. And I've been a part of ministry since I was a teenager. And I can tell you, because the church is made up of people. <laughs> people, are we perfect? By far, <laughs> You know, by far. But we're being renewed day by day. But we must endure. We must endure. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. Paul says, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You are serving a good soldier of Jesus Christ. John MacArthur says this, and I'm going to quote him from one of his commentaries. Can't steal it. It's good. He said, there is no such thing as a faithful ministry that is not costly. And he says... A painless ministry is a shallow and fruitless ministry. Just being a Christian, it costs. And I couldn't agree more to, more to that. You know, that is the truth. However, when we serve God, you, little do we realize that sometimes we forget that there are rewards. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14, if anyone works which he has built on, it endures, he will receive a reward. Colossians chapter 3, verse 24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of his inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. 
and that's at the millennium reign. We're going to be seated on thrones, gowns, and crowns. If you look at the rewards, read the, the, the letters to the seven churches. When you read the letters to the seven churches, every church, the Lord gives a reward. One church, he'll say, I'll give you a crown. The next church, he'll say, I'll have you seen on thrones. Another church, I'll put a, a garment up on you. And you see the picture, little by little, is going to be those that are going to rule and reign with Christ. And lastly, do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. And again, that is to proclaim the gospel. No matter what ministry you're in, the ultimate goal is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I know some of you may not have the gift of an evangelist, you know, and some you may have the gift. We don't know. But we know that the evangelist is one of the five offices mentioned in the Bible. There are five offices in the church. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, But he, speaking of Christ himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Notice the pastors and teachers are always together, not preachers. We're to teach. However, you may say, well, okay, I'm not an evangelist. That's, a, that's you know, one of the five offices. But guess what? You're not out of the clear. <laughs> We are called to evangelize. Every single one of us. You proclaim the gospel. What you're doing? You're evangelizing. We are called to evangelize. We are called to share our faith, to be witnesses. And the word witness in the Greek is martis, where we get the word martyr. It's to share to the point of death. And so, saints, be watchful in all things. Endure affliction. Do the work in evangelist. And at the end of verse 5 says, fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. You know, a lot of people start off well, but only a few finish well. Fulfill your ministry. Now, that's in verses 1 through 4. We're going to look at verses 6 through 8, where Paul begins to give his farewell. Verse 6, he says, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul knows he is coming to the end of his life, and These are his final words. This is his last book of all his epistles. This is the last epistle written by the Apostle Paul. In the matter of days, he's going to be put to death. And his final words, he cries out. You know, he doesn't cry out for prayer. He doesn't call the churches that he, you know, that the Lord led him to plant throughout all Asia Minor. Hey, can you get the guys and to pray for me? Get all the churches from a prayer chain. Let's go call each other. Let's Zoom together. Let's just pray. No, what he's, no, don't pray for me. He doesn't care about his death. He doesn't say, hey, pray that I get delivered. No, he knows that this is what he was called. He know that he was a witness, a martyr. He know he was going to die for his faith. He didn't care about his death. He's about to be put to death, and he doesn't care about death. All he cares about, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what's in his letter. Preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He cares about people getting saved. He cares about the word of God being preached in the churches, teaching sound doctrine. He cares about, at this point, preparing his son in the faith to pass on the mantle of ministry. He cares about getting the church in order and structure. This is why this is in a pastoral epistle. And he's warning the church about false teachers and false prophets. That's all he cares. He cares about the warning. He cares about the people. There's no mention. Hey, pray that... uh, you know, the Lord delivered me from the hands of Rome and Caesar and set me free from. No, he knows he didn't care about his death. 
In fact, he writes to the church in Philippi, Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ and to die is gain. I hope that would be our verse. We live for Christ. To die is a promotion. It's a promotion. I like the word that he uses here, departure. In the Greek, it refers to something that's like a tent being folded and moving on. It's not, okay, I'm going to leave my tent because I don't need it. No, it's a tent being folded so he can move on. Where is he moving on? He's moving on to heaven. And doesn't he talk about the body being this tent, this tent of mine? But notice something else he does, and you'll find this throughout the rest of the letter, is that he doesn't mention Rome, and he doesn't mention Caesar. Because he wants us to pray for them. But they're not getting credit for his death. That's why he's, he's, I'm not going to give Rome credit for my death. I'm not going to give Caesar credit for my death. I'm being poured out. He said, I am being poured out. I'm pouring out my life as an offering to the Lord. My death is an offering unto the Lord. Not Caesar. Not Rose. Let them get the glory if they want. Let them do to my body whatever they want. That's what Jesus says. Don't worry about those that can take away the body. Worry about the one that can take away the body and the soul. And that's Jesus Christ. But he doesn't give glory to Rome, nor to Caesar. His life is a living sacrifice. That's kind of oxymoronic in a way. How can something be living and a sacrifice at the same time? But this is what Romans chapter 12, verse 1, that's what he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. My life belongs to him. God does whatever he pleases. And we need to get to that point. We say, you know what? If you really surrender your life to Jesus, you know that hymn, I Surrender All? That's one of my favorite hymns, by the way. Great is thy faithfulness and I surrender all. Those are the two. I love the hymns. We say surrender all. Is it part of it? Lord, you know, I like this going to church Sunday bit, but I don't know about this sacrifice deal. Okay, they want me to help out during the week. I don't know. I'm busy, you know. My life, do what you want. The time will come where pastors and preachers will be put in prison. Praise the Lord. They put me in prison. I have a prison ministry. Hey, Paul did it. <laughs> he has prison epistles. You know, it was like a drive through the window of the prison cell. Drive through. Okay, here's, if, here's Philippians. <laughs> okay, here's, take this down to, you know, it's just, he just was writing letters. You put John into an island of Patmos. He writes the book of Revelation. That's the way God works. My life belongs to him. Does what he wants for his glory. Then in verse 7, it says, I have fought the good fight. Not any fight, the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. To sum up his life, he gives us three I haves. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. This is not bragging. He is encouraging Timothy and all those that are going to read this letter that this is what he has done. He has finished the race. He had kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. It's a battle. 
A battle has to be fought. A victory has to be won. And our battle belongs to the Lord. We don't fight alone. He is with us. It is a battle to, to fight. It is a battle that every believer must have. And that's defending the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we must stand for the truth of God's word. Not enough Christians are standing up. They're not. They're not studying show themselves approved. They're not preaching the word. They're not ready. And I encourage you, don't be one of those Christians. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, I finished the race. A life in Christ is is not only a battle, but it's also a race. It's a race. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one received the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which ensnares us. All those, the weight that we carry, we need to lay it aside. You're not going to run well if you have a backpack. Which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto who? Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He's there with us and he's there at the finish line. He's going to be with us all the way. Then he says, I have finished the race. I kept the faith now. I'm sorry, I've kept the faith. And Paul never veered. He never veered off from the truth and the gospel of the word. Never. May we all fight the good fight. Finish the race. Keep the faith. We can. We can. Because Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. Because through Christ we can do all things. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. Because he's the author and finisher of our faith. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. He is always with us. And verse 8 it says finally. There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Which the Lord the righteous judge will give to me on that day. And here's the good news. This is for you and I. Not to me only, but also to all, that's you, who have loved his appearing. Every single one of us. When we finish the race, we hang up our cleats. We take off the armor of God. Don't need it anymore. We're in his presence. We have a glorified body. No more battles. We're in his presence. We get to heaven. We're all going to receive the same crown. There's no super Christian in heaven. No one's, you know, is going to have something more than the other, maybe awards or whatever, but we all will be with Christ forever and ever. Finish the race. Preach the gospel. Who are the preachers? The church. It's not those in the podium, on the pulpit. It's not those on the radio station. It's not the commentators. No. The preachers are those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Have you ever wondered why there are so many letters written in the New Testament? 1 Timothy is just one of many letters that gives you some insight into the ministry that was happening after the time that Jesus lived here on earth. There were struggles and there were successes. But you realize that as great as those missionaries and pastors were, they were also just human. They had strengths, weaknesses, discouragements, and moments of triumph. Isn't it great to know and to relate to people in the Bible? They're spiritual pillars in some ways, but you come to realize that they were people that God used, just like He can use you in this time and place. 
We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. Once again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. We hope you'll refer to our website for additional resources that include hearing these messages again or learning about the church behind the ministry. Join us again for another edition of Running the Race. I'm reaching-